This audio production is presented by Good Shepherd Presbyterian Church in Ocala, Florida. For more resources, visit us online at gspcocala.com. This morning's sermon passage is from Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, and Leviticus chapter 16, verses 11 through 22. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Aaron shall present the bull as a sin offering for himself, and shall make atonement for himself and for his house. He shall kill the bull as a sin offering for himself, and he shall take a censer full of coals of fire from the altar before the Lord, and two handfuls of sweet incense beaten small, and he shall bring it inside the veil and put the incense on the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is over the testimony, so that he does not die. And he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the front of the mercy seat on the east side, and in front of the mercy seat he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his finger seven times. Then he shall kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people, and bring its blood inside the veil, and do with its blood as he did with the blood of the bull, sprinkling it over the mercy seat and in front of the mercy seat. Thus he shall make atonement for the holy place, because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins. And so he shall do for the tent of meeting, which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. No one may be in the tent of meeting from the time he enters to make atonement in the holy place until he comes out and has made atonement for himself and for his house and for all the assembly of Israel. Then he shall go out to the altar that is before the Lord and make atonement for it and shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around. And he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times, and cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleannesses of the people of Israel. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place and the tent of meeting and the altar, he shall present the live goat. And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel, and all their transgressions, all their sins. And he shall put them on the head of the goat, and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Forever, O Lord, your word is firmly fixed in the heavens. Your faithfulness endures to all generations. This is likely to be a train wreck. So I'm making sure that I'm ready for it. Uh, uh, good. Thank you so much, uh, Bonnie, for uh, reading that, uh, those wonderful passages of Scripture. If you would, uh, bow your head and uh, pray with me. We'll get started. Most gracious uh, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that uh, the book that you have given to us, it is a love story. It's a love story that is true. It's a love story, Lord, that is raw. And it's made up of characters that um, are imperfect. It's very relatable, Lord, because we, your people, are imperfect. We need to see and hear these words uh, that you have provided to us 
both in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. And we pray, O oh God, that this morning what would happen is that you would not only open our eyes, Lord, that you would not only open our ears. We pray, O oh God, that you would open our hearts to hear afresh and anew your amazing grace, your amazing love to us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, yeah, Mike uh, alluded to this. Uh, um, I got to give you a couple of preliminaries this morning uh, about why I'm up here, okay? Mike did say it is a true story. Um, I was complaining about being in nursery the last time I was there, and it was because I was really tired, okay? For whatever reason, Kyle Sly scheduled uh, nursery even on the, uh, you know, a nativity day, okay? And, uh, and so I was complaining about it, and, and Michael said, oh, I'm tired of hearing you're complaining. I tell you what, I will take care of nursery next time you have nursery, and you can go preach for me. And I said, yeah, sure, let, let's do that. So that's the reason why I'm here, okay? <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, right? Uh, but it also reminds me, too, uh, that was complaining, okay? And now I've got this little, this little wristband here that says, Do all things without grumbling or complaining. <laughs> uh, Philippians uh, 2.4, uh, 2.14, excuse me. I might have to switch it a couple of times over, uh, over the course of this, uh, pa- uh, this sermon here. But uh, anyway... Uh, a little, a couple of uh, notes about me this morning, okay? Because I think it's going to be important to know a little something about who's speaking to you. Uh, number one, I'm an engineer, okay? I'm not a preacher. Uh, I thought I wanted to be uh, at some point in time in my life, but uh, that time has passed, okay? Okay. Uh, uh, but Michael said that I've got to fill up about 40 or 45 minutes uh, this morning, and, uh, and so i got to tell you a little bit about myself. But I'm an engineer, okay? Um, and you don't really expect engineers to be um, like emotional creatures, right? They are typically very math-oriented, logical, and they are very detached. Well, guess what? God did not make me that way. And that's why I've got clinics up here with me. Uh, but anyway, uh, I am thankful uh, that I get to share with you some of the things that God has been doing in my own life. Okay? You should know that, um, uh, that what you're going to get today is actually a result of uh, me reading the scriptures on a daily basis. So this is going to be a little bit of a a plug for your daily Bible study. Show of hands, who uh, goes and does their CBR or their daily Bible reading? This is not to shame anybody. I just want to know, does anybody do it besides me? Okay, so we've got a fair number of people. Great, excellent. It's so important, and let me tell you, I haven't always been like this. I haven't always done this. I've never, ever read through the entire Bible from cover to cover. It's never happened, okay? This March, this March, 
I will have been a believer for 30 years. And I've never read through the entire Bible from cover to cover. But over Christmas, over the holidays, my son-in-law, Ryland. Hey, Ryland. Hey, Meredith. How y'all doing? I'm taking a moment of personal privilege. Uh, but Ryland, he says he's, he's reading through the scriptures. He's going to read it from cover to cover. And, you know, it so encouraged me that I said, you know, I'm going to do the exact same thing. I'm going to read it through from cover to cover. And I've started doing that. Okay, I've not, I'm, I'm in Deuteronomy, okay? But if you know anything about your Bible, you know that there is Leviticus in there. Okay? I don't know about you, but Leviticus is kind of hard to get through. Okay? But I'm, gonna, I'm going to hope, it is my hope it is my prayer, even this morning, that what I'm going to show you in Galatians and in Leviticus is that it is all one big story about God's amazing love for you and for me. Okay? So are you ready? One final comment. We are going to be going a lot of places Okay, we're going to go to Galatians, we're going to go to Leviticus, and we're going to probably spend most of our time in the book of Leviticus this morning, okay? Mainly because I want you to see certain things that God has taught me, and hopefully it will encourage your heart just like it has mine, okay? Are you ready? Good, okay, so Galatians uh, 2, last week... Um, and by the way, I'm a teacher more than I am a preacher, so I'm going to end up asking a bunch of questions. Consider them rhetorical, okay? And, and, and that way, um, uh, you know, it won't be a little awkward, uh, you know, if there's silence there, okay? So anyway, uh, Galatians 2.20. Last week, Michael talked about, uh, about our union with Christ, right? Galatians, we, Bonnie just read it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's talking about our union with Christ, okay? That means that we have, you know, when Jesus looks at us or when God looks at us, okay, what is he seeing? He's not seeing us and our sin. He's actually seeing Jesus himself. We have been so united with Jesus that what he sees is Jesus' life, his perfection, his righteousness. And in theological circles, that's what's called the passive righteousness that God gives to us, right? Right? Okay. So, he actually did an amazing job last week of actually setting the table for our conversation of our journey, if you will, this morning, okay? So, if you will, I'd like for you to go back to Leviticus chapter 1. And we're going to ultimately end up in Leviticus 16, the passage that we read. But if you go back and just peruse, uh, peruse your Bible you'll notice that there are a couple of headings. If your Bible is like mine, there are a couple of headings uh, uh, in the Bible there. It says, uh, 
laws concerning burnt offerings. This is exactly how Leviticus starts. We're starting right here. Okay, when you have an offering that for, let's see, what does it say? And hold on, i got to get my glasses out here. And the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. This is, if, this, if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. So on and so forth. Okay, so the very first words in the book of Leviticus are all talking about the offering that's going to be made. Okay, the first one is described as this this, uh, uh, burnt offering, okay? And it's a male from the livestock. And one of the things that you'll uh, hear over and over and over again in the book of Leviticus in these first nine chapters is that the offerings that are made are without spot, without blemish, okay? We're not going to read all that, okay? But if you will, uh, the chapter title for Leviticus 2 says laws for grain offerings, okay? There's not really any animal sacrifice here, but we're bringing, God's people are bringing even the, the fruit of their labors from the field and bringing it as an offering to the Lord, okay? Then you've got your peace offering in Leviticus chapter 3. Again, this is an animal, male or female this time. Again, without blemish from the herd. Leviticus 4. What does Leviticus 4 say? Sins. uh, This is talking about the sin offering. It's a bull. It's a male bull from the herd. Again, without blemish. Leviticus 5. Guilt offering. Ram without blemish from the flock. Then uh, chapters 7 through 9, these are all offerings made, uh, sacrifices. And essentially what you see over and over and over again in the book of Leviticus is you see, you see death. You see the result of what an imperfect people, uh, uh, what happens, Okay. Now, we all know that in the New Testament, uh, Jesus is going to ultimately be that sacrifice. But I'm getting ahead of myself here a little bit. A couple of questions. uh, um, We know from John chapter 1, verse verse 29, John basically says this. He says... Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So what we know from the New Testament is that Jesus is that perfect sacrifice. Do you notice anything else about all these sacrifices? Do you notice who's always there? Do you notice that it's the priest He's always there. He's the one that's actually performing all the work. He's the one that is doing all the killing. He is the one that's getting his hands dirty. Okay? Mike has done such a great job. If I could stand up here and stumble all day long. Okay? 
But I'm telling you, if you just take what he has provided for you in that bulletin, it'll be profound. But he's already reminded us from uh, Hebrews 4.15, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who in every respect has been tempted as we are and yet without sin. So this priest, he's standing there, and he's doing all this killing. He's, he's ever-present. But even when that job is done, even when that job is done, do you know what he gets to do? Let's turn to Leviticus 13. And let's see some of the other jobs of the priest. Leviticus 13, 1 and 2 says this. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons of the priests. Okay? So another job of of the high pri- of the priest is to go and to to see people who are suffering okay let's see what it says in 139 139 says when a man is afflicted with a leprous disease he shall be brought to the priest and the priest shall look and if there is a white swelling in the skin that has turned the hair white, and there is raw flesh in the swelling. It is a chronic leprous disease in the skin of the body, blah, 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 okay? In Leviticus 13, 24 through 25, it says, Or when the body has a burn on the skin, and the raw flesh of the burn becomes a spot, reddish white or, or white, the priest shall examine it, And if the hair in the spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, then it is a leprous disease. What is the point of all of this? Why am I even making mention of these duties as the priest? It is because the priest is standing there. Remember who the priests are. The priests are relatives. Relatives of their brothers and sisters. And they have, I believe, the worst job in the entire Old Testament. Why? Because they have to be there for all that killing. They're having to get their hands dirty. And after they've done that, they've got to go to their neighbor's house. And they've got to you know, pronounce whether or not they're... Relatives are clean or unclean. Do you know what happens when they do that? If they pronounce them unclean, they're taken outside the camp. Okay? They cannot be a part of the fellowship anymore. They are ostracized. Okay? That's what happens when you are pronounced unclean. Now, I know you're probably wondering, what has this got to do with Galatians? I sometimes ask that question myself. So what I'm going to try to do in just these last few minutes is pull it all together, okay? The priest who is always there for both the killing and the sacrifice 
Okay? And he's a relative to his brothers. Do you know, when we bring a sacrifice to God, it's not really that much of a sacrifice if there's plenty, right? In other words, when we bring him something, and when the Old Testament believers brought their sacrifice to God, not that big a deal when there's plenty of cattle in the stall. But what happens, what do you think happens in the heart of the priest who loves his neighbors, who loves his, his relatives, when their neighbor is bringing the last of the herd? How do you think? Do you think he feels the weight of bringing, of having to lift up the knife and kill their livelihood? Or perhaps, do you believe he might feel the weight of having to go to his neighbor's, his cousin's house that they've got a rash and it doesn't look good? And he has to tell them, I'm sorry, but you're going to have to be removed and go out. Okay? You're going to have to separate yourself from the rest of your people, from your community. Do you think he feels the weight of that, having to make that proclamation? I believe he does. And in fact, what I want to communicate this morning, probably as much as anything, is that Jesus himself, in all of the Old Testament, and in all of the New Testament, is saying the exact same thing. I love you. I love you so much that I, as priest of, uh, a symbolic priest in the Old Testament... I was, I'm there. I was, have always been there. I'm always going to be there. I'm there in your troubles, in your trials, in your suffering, in your pain. I have been there. But Jesus also has other roles too, doesn't he? He's not only the priest who is there. He is also the one that received, received the punishment. He also receives our sin. We read at the, at the end of Leviticus chapter 16, it says what? That the priest takes, what you, you see the picture of it. The priest takes and puts his hands on the, on the goat, okay? And, he's, and it says all of the sins are transferred, the sins of the people are transferred to the goat. And what do, what do they do with the goat? They take him to the wilderness. Whereas Jesus has always been with us in our pain and suffering and death even. Who was with him in the wilderness as the scapegoat? He had to endure alone, alone, the wrath of God. Even on the cross, what does he say? 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I don't know what that does for your heart. I can only speak what it does to my own. I know the person I am. And I know the things that I've said and the things that I've done in my own life. I wonder how is it that a a God could love me in such a way as to know all of that before the foundation of the world and yet choose to love me and redeem me. Let me bring this all together. Go back to uh, Galatians chapter 2. Try to wrap this up right here. Galatians 2.20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The Bible, from beginning to end, is God's love story to us. He is telling us over and over and over again, even in places like Leviticus, I love you and I'm giving myself to you. And not only that, the first part of that, which I mentioned at the beginning, the union that we have in Christ, what that means is that God loves you and he loves me just as much as he loves his own son. And that love will never, ever end. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, we are so grateful that you have given us your word. We are so grateful that you love us with an everlasting love. And that the book that you have provided to us is um, remarkable. Um, That it is new and fresh um, every day. Um, The truth of the matter about that very thing though, Lord, is that uh, sometimes it's not. But in the, uh, in the daily uh, uh, taking up of your word, we look with anticipation that you would um, uh, be there with us. And that one day when you make all things new, we're going to see you face to face. And you're going to wipe every tear from every eye. And you're going to make all things new. We long for that day. And we long that while we are here, that we would bring great glory and honor to your name, the name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And we pray in his name.